In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker... Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We're back Hump day again. Caitlin, you're always with us on hump day. Thank God. <laughs> for us. I don't know about for you. I mean, yeah, it, it's always it's always like kind of like the grimace. Why is news. that? <laughs> like why? I, I have no idea. There was I was we, we recorded on the insurrection. I can oh, never I stop like, thinking about that. Like, Okay. They're just sort of like looking like, is that how, oh, they broke in. Oh, they did break in. Okay. Wow. That, um, or at least timely episode. I was episode. not on the pod that day. <laughs> I was not on the pod that day, but I'll never forget, like, I was watching it happen because my mom had called me to be like, are you going to watch the certification? And I was like, I guess I will. I'll put it on in the background. And then like, they kept cutting away from the certification to be like, Hmm, strange, strange activity outside the Capitol. (laughs) And then I came into our office and I was like, Danny, something is happening. And he looked at me as if like, he was like, okay, whatever. And I was like, no, you have to like get off the computer and come into the living room and see what's going on. I know, on. yeah. Like people that obviously this affected everybody, but like I knew when people like that don't work in news or politics were like, how am I supposed to work the rest of the day? And I was like, I got a lot of work ahead of me today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, explain what the fuck just, just happened. Off. Yeah. yeah. I had like no, I had no chill whatsoever once they like breached. I was like, what in the world? I was completely arrested. I could not do any work. Yeah. I was very fortunate that there wasn't much work that I had to do at the time. But I was basically like, I remember seeing like someone put a chart on Twitter, which is like productivity and like coup. And then you just see like it like literally fall off the chart and you're like, oh accurate. my God, it's so yeah, accurate chart. crazy. Because remember like the months and weeks leading up, like coup was very present, the idea of a possible coup. And we we're like, no, there won't be a coup. It's going to be an intense day. Everybody's got to be really careful. But because of what we'll talk about today, little did we know that Facebook was not bothering to tamp any of this down. They took the brakes yes. off after the election. So- the coup was being planned uh, the whole time, the whole time. I like this reflecting on on, on <laughs> all the historical events over 2020 that we are like early 2021 that we just completely blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking with friends about those like like that week where we were waiting for the election results and everyone's brain was like completely mush. Yeah, I did whatever I wanted that week. <laughs> I like drank at weird hours. I smoked at weird hours. I did whatever I needed to do. I did. I really hoped that week we would like find out the winner while we were on the podcast. But uh, it ended up being on like a 70 degree Saturday, which was even better. It was beautiful. That was beautiful. 
<laughs> I mean, I felt very comfortable that Biden had yeah. already won. I, we were just waiting for the pieces to be like verified because everyone was holding off in a way that was, I'm going to be honest, like in previous cycles, if if someone had had that margin, it would have called it. It was only because Donald Trump was going to be the worst person about this that they didn't call it when like you could have called it like Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And been like, yeah, this is kind of over. And any other yeah. time it would have been What's called. so interesting and that I didn't realize this at the time was that Trump people knew that because these Stop the Steal groups started organizing on Facebook the night of the election. Like the night, we remember that first night, the night some of those states finally flipped over and we were sort of like, oh, okay, I feel like this. that's when that started. So they knew, everybody definitely knew for sure. So we're going to get into... Some of what Facebook knew leading up to the insurrection, how they could have maybe taken steps to prevent it. Elise and I sort of primed uh, our discussion about Facebook for today yesterday as like for how it's sort of different from some of the revelations earlier. But this is just sort of the most the most like primary documents I've say the most primary source material we've had on Facebook yet. It just so happens that a lot of like the speculating and reporting was was accurate. So maybe this doesn't come off as as much as a blockbuster. But these are some pretty some pretty huge revelations. So we will talk through some of them. Today, these have been creatively named the Facebook papers. I feel like there could have been a cuter name. I thought maybe like the Zuck Puck, like he's getting hit. (laughs) The Facebook papers. I would wish that Mark Zuckerberg's name was in there just because Facebook is trying to change its name. Now. Right. That's excellent <laughs> so. timing. That's excellent timing for sure. They are. So when PR is bad, just pretend you're a different person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see what they come up what name they come up with for their metaverse. It's gonna be I'm sure it's gonna be totally dystopian. So what happened was Frances Haugen turned over all of these documents. Mainly, I believe they were like screenshots, is how she got them. She just took a bunch of screenshots on her computer. She turned them over to <laughs> screenshots are forever. I mean, it's just funny. I know. <laughs> the screenshots would be what took Facebook down. That's so true. Next week, they're going to like reveal something where like screenshots don't work at Facebook mm-hmm. HQ anymore. Like you can't add, yeah. like the keyboard shortcut just does not work. So she turned these over to the SEC, to Congress. I think she talked to Parliament like yesterday. All of the news organizations basically agreed together um, to give themselves a couple weeks to go over everything and publish everything Monday. So they were like, deal, none of us will break these scoops until Monday. Um, I think the New York Times went broke the embargo and went ahead and did it. The Wall Street Journal had already um, had already had some of this information. This is like boring journalism stuff. But the idea of like every media outlet independently working to like on the same story based on the same documents just sounds very fun to me, like behind the scenes. I don't know. I think that says more about mm-hmm. me. <laughs> there will be an Oscar-winning film about how it all went down at some Pentagon point. Pentagon Papers. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Every time. Yeah. So there there will be something in all of our... It'll be like later, though, so Timothy Chalamet will be <laughs> an old man in it. <laughs> It'll be his next prestige project. For sure. I'm going to go through sort of three big bombshell headlines that stood out to me. So the first one is that in 2019, Facebook employees created a profile for a fake person named Carol Smith. So we talk all the time, except Carol Smith. We all know Carol. Carol. (laughs) We all know Carol. Carol, the fake user, she liked pages like Fox News and Donald Trump, and she 
like also liked content that told the platform that she was into Christianity and parenting. We have said before that we know many people who sort of just used Facebook from this point of view, just maybe like gently, well, I don't think you mean gently conservative anymore, just sort of like conservative curious and then suddenly became in QAnon. And this sort of maps how that happens so unwittingly for the user. That's what stood out to me from this is you sort of assume like, okay, Carol must have clicked like on some sort of wild post that then Facebook maybe took as, you know, inflated the significance, but no, not at all. So like I said, she just followed pages about like Fox News and Donald Trump. Within two days, she was being recommended QAnon conspiracy pages just based on her liking those things. I mean, now we do very strongly associate Fox News and Donald Trump with like QAnon, but like it wasn't always because the jig is up, but there was it a didn't period. It did have to be that way. It didn't have I to guess be on that the way. Right. There were probably like some 2016 Trump voters who, but for Facebook, might not have been interested in this type of content. And they were not. So like I said, Carol didn't join any of these groups. Facebook was like, you interested in these crazy theories? You think maybe Democrats drink kids' blood? And she's like, no. So you might assume you would, she would no longer see content about those conspiracy theories on her feed anymore. No. Within a week, Facebook's algorithm had still populated Carol's news feed with groups and pages that had violated Facebook's own rules, including those against hate speech and disinformation, and things that she did not even want to see. So everything about the algorithm was driving this, this lady, Carol, to QAnon. And you, like, you fast forward to what happened in 2020, and you just... You just imagine how many people like this was their this was their path. And it, to me, it's not hard to hold Facebook directly responsible for what we've seen happen. Yeah, the big bummer to me is that like the just that basically an expressed interest in like Christianity and parenting will also help get you there, which I think is how we've ended up with like so many like moms who don't want the vaccine and that it's like, you know, People can be casually interested in things that seem kind of innocuous or whatever, and th Facebook will lead them to extremist stuff. I mean, Donald Trump and Fox News, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe right. Carol was going to see some of this stuff, but like... It's parenting pages that will get you there, too. Or, like, just being like, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. which, like, shouldn't necessarily lead you to QAnon conspiracies about how Democrats... Exactly. Like, that should be something that you can say on Facebook without, yeah. you know, necessarily being fed, like, violence. How does this, Caitlin, how does this, how does driving people towards this type of content, very plainly, why does Facebook do it? How does it help their bottom line? to force people towards this type of content? I mean, one of the things that all social media networks want is more attention. It is an attention economy and they, they succeed off of keeping you present and engaged. Um, happiness is actually really bad for attention. Like you feel contented and then you're like, that's enough. And then you go and you do something else. Like when I watch great British baking show I'm just happy and then I think about like maybe going and baking yeah. it's a very weird thing I I don't know what's going on with my brain <laughs> but I I find myself being like oh that would be nice maybe lemon bars or something and and then I think about being a productive human being instead <laughs> Facebook wants people to get enmeshed in 
emotions that um, tend to feed you tend to feed on themselves. Um, you stoke people's fear. That's a form of anxiety. Um, they're looking for security. You know that old adage: misery enjoys company. Like people will stay on these networks. They'll look for people who validate their fears and distress. Um, they they want places where they're accepted and where these thoughts that maybe are relatively new but feel very strong yeah. <laughs> need uh, some echoing back at them so they they feel um, like what they're experiencing, what they're thinking is meaningful and valuable. Um, and so, you know, there's also absolutely no downside to fucking over marginalized people there's never been and uh because there's no downside and there's never any cost i can't stop thinking about the um the ai engineers um who were pushed out i think it was actually at google but like the ai engineers and the diversity issues that these groups have in developing artificial intelligence where there's this insistence overwhelmingly from white dudes that they there is no racism in the ai which is like if it's mapped on a human brain in any way shape or form unless you solve the racism problem you haven't solved you just you just mechanized it you've just mechanized it and you've made it even less personal so understanding that something is hate speech mm -hmm. like there in some ways like i think that this was inevitable because again there's no penalty for harming marginalized people. So it's naturally going to increase and encourage people who are empowered to get further and further down these holes where there's no, there's, there's almost benefits mm -hmm. to, to getting people uh, in the majoritarian aspect of society, people who have the most money, people who have the most resources, people who have uh, the most anger and resentment at a changing world to buy in and buy in heavily to a platform that just wants them to be angry all the time. Yeah, I mean, whenever I sort of hear talk about this, you know, reporters, we always ask the question like, well, what can be done? And the fundamental issue with Facebook is that like they, ref Mark Zuckerberg refuses to acknowledge that there's a right and that there's a wrong and that he has a role mm -hmm. in establishing a right and the wrong. And because like you've said, Caitlin, nothing is incentivizing him to do the right thing. Like the reason this has been prevented in other ways with other platforms to the extent maybe any have had success is because there's just somebody that's like, no, it's bad if there's pictures of dead bodies on people's feeds in India because we can't catch the language barriers. Like that means we just, mm -hmm. it means we have to, that's bad. That is unequivocally bad and we do anything to prevent that. But he is, Mark Zuckerberg has always just thrown his hands up and been like, I invite Congress to tell me the difference between right and wrong. It's like, you're a human being. <laughs> you have an obligation to negotiate in your own mind right versus wrong, just like we all do, unless you're already a robot. Yeah, it's, well, one of the things that really stuck out to me from what I've seen of the papers, because obviously, like, there's so much that was, has been released, but it's very clear that Facebook as a company, its values are the same values as Mark Zuckerberg and these sort of, like, I would say, like, centristy neoliberal people who surround him, and they are more concerned with appearing non-biased and appearing like they have created this 
metaverse thing that mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg wants and appearing like they've created this amazing tool that can run on its own. They're way more, their value is on making it seem like that. Their value is not on actually preventing their platform from doing harm at all. All they care about is not seeming biased and um, their bottom line. It's- they do not actually care at all about the harm that they're platform does they only care about it in so much as it will affect their image and you know it's squandered some plans of mark zuckerberg's to have his own currency and become the president and stuff so like i mean i can't stop thinking about how they invited a bunch of conservative activists like ben shapiro and everything they had dinner and like there was no equivalent dinner for liberals and liberal activists no. and like the NAACP, like they're, they, he doesn't do outreach. He wanted to, he spent hours talking to Ben Shapiro yeah. and yes. like you kind of get the sense. I mean, I, a guy, a 20 a tw- a year old developed a, a social network to rate the hotness of women and who could have imagined right. so many years later would have all gone so wrong. <laughs> You know, like, like in some ways, he never started with a good moral piss. So Mm -hmm. it was just it was never going to build up unless somebody stopped him. And at every point of the way, everything about Facebook's development has said the more the 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 less fewer morals you have, the less you care about other people, the less you focus on the needs of the vulnerable, the more money you will get. And, you know, like, you gotta kind of follow the cash. Mark Zuckerberg was never cool with marginalized people, and he definitely insulated by his billions of dollars and uh, a lack of congressional, like, any kind of, of congressional reproach or legal reproach is very happy. I mean, he'll just drive the entire society into the yeah. ground. He'll drive everyone's societies into the ground. He like, literally it doesn't wants, matter to him. He wants to create the metaverse, which I don't know what that is, but I don't want him to create it, and I don't want him to be in charge of it. Yeah. And I don't really <laughs> want to live in it, and I mean, so it's just, it, yeah. I'm against it 100%. So. I mean, it goes back to what we say all the time, which is that, like, this, this question of bias is that Republicans are just, like, I mean, to say that you don't, for Facebook to say that they don't want to seem biased to Republicans on their platform is like police saying they don't want to be biased, seem biased towards criminals. It's like these are the people your job, like these are the people that are doing the offending thing as a monolith, as a whole. Like they are it doesn't like I'm sorry, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you feel like you look biased. Take that up with the Republican Party then. Like, take that 100%. up with them. When, when Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz ask you to, like, take down a warning on an abortion post, the answer is not, like, how is it unbiased to do it? And I was, I was trying to read, like, it is true that to get engagement on social media, like, the more you invoke the outgroup, the better your content will do. But when they looked at how far this pulled liberals and how kind of what incendiary reaction, you know, you have for Republicans and conservatives, misinformation, QAnon, anti-vax stuff, uh, stolen election. The worst they could find for liberals was like Moscow Mitch, which like that wasn't that. That was not misinformation. It was just a nickname that he didn't like. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it was satire. Also, going back to what you were saying about like the Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz of it all, 
We see now through these Facebook papers that Mark Zuckerberg personally and executives at Facebook personally intervened on behalf of conservative misinformation to keep it up because of this Mm -hmm. obsession with not seeming biased on multiple occasions. I mean, obviously, we don't know every single thing that's ever been done at the company, but there's nothing as far as I've seen in these papers about him saying personally intervening to say, no, this is a piece of content that needs to come down. Like Mm -hmm. that's the mods do that. But then Mark Zuckerberg, the only times he personally gets involved or Facebook executives personally get involved, it's to keep harmful content up. This seems to be a frequent. Like, this did come up a lot. Because they don't want to the be seen as bad for taking it down. The other, the stuff that's actually bad hopefully gets caught and it like, doesn't have to be a decision that he makes. But the times that he actually uses his influence, it's always on behalf of keeping something up that really shouldn't be there. And that, in a nutshell, shows you what the value actually is. Yeah, Narendra Modi asks him to keep stuff up, and he does. I mean, this man is extremely dangerous. So let's go to the Carol story, like we say, really points out in a lot of detail how, like, passive the user has to be to be shuttled towards this offending content. Um, And Facebook has defended itself with this by trying to say that it's just a small percentage of its users that end up exposed to certain content. But like, homeboy, you've got 3 billion users. A small percentage is hundreds of millions of people. (laughs) We only needed the thousand people to almost kill all of our representatives. Like I don't, you can't, you can't pull the scale argument with me because you could have slowed down your scale these past 11 years and, and you chose not to. Well, exactly. And that's, that's a point that I've heard being made, which is like, It's actually not okay to run a company that you don't have any control of. (laughs) Like, there's no other, like, you can't just have a company that's like, sorry, it's so big that actually, like, it's really dangerous. It's like, no, you're not. I think it was on Pod Save America they were saying, like, you can't have a hospital that's like, sorry, the hospital's so big, like some of the people just aren't right. going to do bad. Like some of them are, some of them <laughs> are actually going to kill them. Like, yeah, that's and it depends. If you don't okay. speak the languages that we know, you might not make it. Like, exactly. Right, and that's the thing is like they're not moderating basically any content that's not in English or from America, which is why, again, there are millions of people <laughs> a billions of people who don't speak english millions in india alone like and so much has been able to spread and it's like you wouldn't be able to have a company in india that doesn't operate in any of its languages that doesn't make sense yeah but facebook yeah. is able to do that because it's on the internet totally Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of 
gifts do you have for Dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So let's look at a few more details related to January 6th, and then we'll come back to India and some other countries where they just had some really dangerous failures. So the documents also give a little bit more insight into what was going on Facebook in the weeks leading up to January 6th. So Facebook had taken some steps prior to the election to stop misinformation, and they acknowledged that it spread and potentially millions of people thinking that Trump had been unfairly denied a second term would be bad. That would cause violence. But I guess they thought that this concern expired at midnight on November 3rd or when the election was. They they let go of some of they have these things called like break the glass procedures where they feel like things are just really intense, they need to use them. They do not use these very often. They don't break the glass. They just sort of like gently, gently tap on it Mm -hmm. until it breaks over time. And so what they did, what they were mainly prepared for Facebook was what happened in 2016. So they put up, you know, their biggest guardrails against preventing more of what happened then, foreign influence, Russian interference, as well as potential hacks. But on the night of the election is when these Stop the Steal groups started popping up. And Facebook couldn't remove them quickly enough. They had just grown so big so fast. I don't know if they had already taken their foot off the brakes literally when voting ended. But they definitely did after the election day. They didn't keep in place any of the emergency misinformation or hate speech barriers that it had during the election period. And they also didn't ban the phrase Stop the Steal. They banned the phrase Stop the Steal on January 7th. (laughs) Seems... (laughs) Seems a little late. No, (laughs) that's the perfect encapsulation of Facebook's like ability to respond or willingness to respond to anyone. Yep. (laughs) That is. Exactly. And an expert told Politico that, you know, I, I saw a lot of trying to defend Facebook's what they did on the day of the riot in reaction to the riot. People saying they really did everything they could, but it was their own fault that that was not enough. They should have done so much more in the weeks leading up to give themselves a better chance and to prevent even the need to like, when I think of this, it's like, I literally, all they had to do was plan for what people might be saying. And 
I have never worked like this, but I would know to do this, to like think of all the phrases people are going to say, all the variations and make sure they're all blocked. And then the day of, they were like, they had planned for people to say Trump with certain words or phrases, but not he with certain words or phrases or not Donald with certain words or phrases. It's like, that's the whole job. I think there's, we hear all of this and you tend to think like they must be trying as hard as they can. They're not. Like, I feel like this is the headline. Facebook is not trying as hard as they can. And whenever yeah. they are, whatever these issues are brought to their attention, they have excuses. They have, well, we didn't block that keyword or, well, we, we started doing all of this after. Another thing it doesn't do anymore is that it says it no longer recommends civic or political groups because these are often the sources of inflammatory or straight up false information. But it's known that for a very long time. It's known that for a very long time and that it would shuttle people towards dangerous information. Do you think, for me, sometimes I think their barrier is that they don't think a phrase like stop the steal is bad because they don't consider that a a phrase that incites violence. Is that where they're wrong, that they just like talk themselves out of what inciting violence looks like? Our whole society has. We are living in the wake, like there is an actual coup. Like once one side of the government decides to consecrate violence against the other side of the government, you do not live in a functioning state. We are just waiting for the next blow. This is not a functional government. We all know that. We're watching Republicans basically like, please get sick and die. Get sick and die to make uh, Joe Biden's numbers look bad. Get sick and die all the time. Get sick and die or and and work to death. Like literally setting up structures that we know are there's still a thousand people dying a day we are entering the fall and winter i just i'm just really fresh and this is post vaccine Mm -hmm. this is emotionally like i if you try to explain this to like i always try to figure out like where my political positions are based off of whether or not i could explain it to like a benevolent alien species if they were like we're gonna solve all of earth's problems but you have to explain where how you got here Mm. The, and you can't explain it, then you, you are. You, and it's like, but if you fail to explain it to us in a way that makes any kind of sense, you get none of your problem solves. We eliminate humans. And it's like, okay, don't allow conservatives to, to deal with the aliens because they will just be like, and then the, the brown people, and they'll be like, uh, you're all you're all the same. These are just tiny phenotypical differences. So I I just feel like we're we're just in a wild place right now. How I don't do we know. get Mark Zuckerberg to turn against? like Republicans and national government. Why does he sympathize? Because some of them are not into this, into him either. Like just because of the the money. I think it's who he is. Yeah. It's who he is at his core. He's a rich kid from Harvard who invented a thing and his- He didn't even bro- invent it. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, that's also true. Who stole a thing from those hot twins, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> so, uh, he's, he's, and now. I feel like, I know, I feel like I was, in my head I was comparing. I felt this way yesterday and now I feel less charitable, but like Facebook kind of reminds me of Erica Jane. You watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> because she keep like. Even if Erica Jane can claim she did not know what terrible shit was happening. If she's like, I didn't know that he was doing this, that my husband, who I was, so I didn't know that this was happening. Even if she had no idea, or let's say even if she did, but at the time she was like, she was only concerned about herself and chose not to act. The only acceptable thing for Erica Jane to be doing at this moment is falling on her feet, begging for forgiveness, begging to be part of the solution, 
throwing whatever money she has at the problem. But no, she's just like defiant and is like, why are you coming after me? I think that that is what Mark Zuckerberg is doing. Yes. And first of all, that's a perfect analogy. And I just want to say, to add to it, that that means if Erica is Mark Zuckerberg, then the algorithm is Tom, Tom Girardi. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> Sammy said that Tom was like, Facebook. Don't blame but I think Tom could also be Facebook, but I also, I feel like the algorithm is what they it's like. It's the algorithm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what exactly. the algorithm is up right. to. Go ask the algorithm. It's not my fault that the algorithm robbed all of those victims of a plane crash. <laughs> we got uh, it. We nailed it. Even more infuriating is that like Mark Zuckerberg's argument for being a billionaire is that he yeah. earned <laughs> somehow this money, but then he also is not responsible for any of the apparatus that actually keeps him enriched. Mm-hmm. So he's there being like, I just I just accidentally got billions of dollars from this thing that I don't even pay attention to. It's it's not my fault, yeah, you guys. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. let me keep my many, 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 many billions of dollars and continue destroying the country and multiple other countries. And, like, you know, we had the WhatsApp go down and we learned, you know, for, for people who are in the United States, we learned, like, that's not just a social app. That is, like, the only yeah. way some people can contact each other in other countries because Facebook has entered and monopolized space like this is really really toxic it's really corrosive and it's a really corrosive company and we should rein it in like not only rein it in but actively build in safeguards that say like this is a society we want we don't want people launching violent attacks against lawmakers uh, we think that that's and we bad. will do everything in our power to stop it that right. is bad. not like oh I don't know there's nothing we can do there's plenty you can do and I think their argument of like bias and the arguments that they try to use in terms of like um, situating Facebook and the US political process sort of fall apart when you look at what they do in other countries because these same issues are happening and they have different binaries like I don't think Mark Zuckerberg can really be like well you know because I have lunch with like they just When you look at what they let happen in other countries, you really realize they do not care about people. They care even less about non-American people. So Mm -hmm. internal documents also did like a Carol's Journey type test for a woman in India. It was Facebook researchers creating a profile for a 21-year-old girl who lived in northern India when they wanted to see what her user experience would be like. At the time, it was shortly before an election, and there was a lot of violence in Kashmir that Prime Minister Modi was hoping to capitalize on politically. Again, with no action on her part, she didn't do anything. She was like a passive user. Facebook did not know much about her at all. Her feed flooded with images of dead bodies paired with hateful and anti-Muslim rhetoric. You're right if you think this is stuff that would never come up on an American user's feed. So it's very confusing why dead bodies were coming up on an Indian user's feed. Yeah. An internal- on an American user's feed, like post a nipple. Post <laughs> one nipple and see how fucking fast. That comes down. Right. And this is because... But we can't get dead bodies off of the feed in India? Exactly. And that might be be because either the language it was posted in, Facebook wasn't picking up, or the languages that the hate groups were posting in, it was not picking up and blocking them. And Facebook employees based in India also noticed that the same thing happening to them. So this was just like happening. This wasn't just like, oh, what a weird user experience for this one thing we need to tweak. And so these internal documents, they show that Facebook knew this was happening. They were well aware that its moderation was weaker in non-English speaking countries, which made it especially vulnerable to abuse by bad actors and authoritarian regimes. It's very funny to me that they position this as like, wouldn't it be terrible if Facebook helped an authoritarian regime in another country? It's like that happened five hours from where I'm sitting. (laughs) 
We speak English. We have evidence from Myanmar. It did that. We have evidence. We have evidence from multiple places that, like Facebook, Philippines, Myanmar. These are both country. India. Like we have enough evidence, you guys. Like at some point, this kind of like, well, we we can't be a hundred percent sure. Like we know what's happening. Like stop lying to us. And there's a certain amount of of like credibility that like it, we should be way past the credibility line right now like that, that we're we're beyond the the moral event horizon yeah these people know what they're doing they understand what they're doing um please be careful googling moral uh, event horizon because you will end up on tv tropes and yet i can't guarantee you'll ever leave um, but <laughs> but it we, you we know we know that they are doing terrible things and for some reason we're all here kind of being like but if we force them to stop like does that make us the monsters i think that's why they've been kind of arguing really heavily is because like okay so where do you put the line and it's like we are not arguing over whether there should be a line this is not the, the they conflate that by saying like well, once you impose a line you are saying certain things. It's like you already are talking about a line. There's certain things that we all right. agree should not be happening. So now we are we should be having a debate about where to place it. And it's very clear that you can't be trusted to place it where it should be. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that captures it. That captures it perfectly. So in 2019, like you said, a high-ranking official told employees, and I think this quote just captures everything you just said, was, quote, the painful reality is that we simply can't cover the entire world with the same level of support. And the reaction is, then don't go there. Do not operate in countries that are unstable where you cannot provide resources and you cannot catch hateful content. In 2020, Facebook dedicated 84% of its misinformation resources to the United States, even though we only make up 10% of the platform's users. And the remaining 16% was earmarked, quoted in the papers for, quote, the rest of the world. And I just feel like that turn of phrase is so telling. Like, they just are like, there's yeah. America, who they're barely serving well, and they're yeah. inflaming. But, but America can regulate them in a way that would cause them problems. So that's why they give, because they operate in America. So that's why they give True. the tiniest fuck about us and the EU a little bit, because we could cause them problems. But everywhere else... It's a free for all and it's crazy because it's like again if some if a company was like sorry our planes don't work in India then it's like you would not you can't fly the plane. Right our there. planes are more dangerous in India. They're more likely to yeah, crash sorry, and you could get hurt. Yeah, because of I don't know, something in the climate, they're more likely to just kind of fall apart in the sky. Um then you would not you cannot operate there. Right. Like you don't And get they would to say, op- Oh, okay, regulators would say, Okay, well then you need to sort of tweak the plane so that it has something so it can more safely operate here. And they're just like, mm, Yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. And I mean, India there's an enormous number of people. They speak many, many languages. I understand why Facebook can't operate in India, but Facebook Sorry. needs to stop operating in India then. That's like, why I, I would love to operate in India. Or I can't. Stop. Exactly. I'd love to do the podcast <laughs> in Hindi, but I don't, I can't because I don't speak that language. So we don't do the podcast. Right. What if India. we put our podcast in Google Translate and just published it? And we're like, that, that'll work. That's basically, that <laughs> that'll would be, be good. It. That, that, that would really be that's it. That's basically why I've done that. I think they have, done that. I think they have used Google what, Translate before. To translate things. And then they're like, this is so weird. How come uh, How come everybody in this region of India is incited against Muslims? That's so weird. And what makes this even more shocking is that because India is so big, 
And as so many users, relatively, Facebook is actually investing a lot in there, which just which just shows you how little they're investing other places. I mean, the issue has proved even worse and more dangerous in places like Pakistan, Ethiopia, and Myanmar, where the algorithms were chiefly, this issue comes up a lot, unable to identify hate speech or misinformation in commonly used languages. Just as I'm thinking of this, it's like, what an easy way to like create jobs in those places. Like translation is something you can teach people. After a UN report connected Facebook to an actual genocide in Myanmar, the company did dedicate more attention and resources to that region ahead of a 2020 election there, and it worked pretty well. They had some success. But employees note that Facebook only dedicated this attention after the UN said it was responsible for a literal genocide. And if it's going to take a literal genocide everywhere before Facebook or a coup, before Facebook is willing to operate uh, safely, which I don't even think they've had that reaction here, then we're all in for a really messy lifetime. Yeah, that's that's the equivalent of banning Stop the Steal on January 7th. It's like, oops, we already incited a genocide, so I guess we'll do something. And it's like, I mean, the options are either stop operating in countries you can't operate in or put your money where your mouth is. They reported $9 billion in earnings just this week from last quarter. And actually operate in all of these countries. If that's what you want. If you want to create a metaverse and be the ruler of the world, then yeah, you got to put like actual outposts in all these countries and you got to get people who learn all the languages and you're going to have to put a lot of money down. But they don't want to do either of those things. They want to just get the money they can from operating without even even having like a basic outpost. Of, you know, like Google the United Translate. States has embassies I was thinking, places. Yeah. Like, if you want, if you really want to do this and you want to be this arbiter of the world and operate everywhere, then you have to actually operate everywhere. Otherwise, get the hell out. Yeah. And, and it's really important that, I I think it's really important that the United States, our government, seriously and meaningfully respond to this. This was an attack against our government. And it's very clear that without the United States taking lead on what is legally enforceable for internet companies, for social media, for all of this new media that we've developed. Like if they don't set some fucking guidelines, it is going to continue. It is is in our hands, literally, to save other people around the world by putting limitations on Facebook domestically that have to be replicated whenever they enter another country. Right. Because if they don't face any repercussions for the role that they played or any regulations, I mean, why would they, why would they, why would they take any of the guidance that we're offering if they can just Google translate can be used both ways, you know? Yeah. So (sighs) government, you can do it. I believe in you, uh, kind of. On that. Just Democrats, exactly. really. Oh, I, can't. <laughs> I love this 45 minutes where we can chat and not have to uh, click on the trending term Joe Manchin until the end of democracy. <laughs> I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.